0: Have you been told McCabe is resigning? Mr. President, have you been
1: told that McCabe is resigning? Thank you. Thank you. What we know is that uh, McCabe has told people that he felt like he was under pressure to go.
0: And if he is leaving for any reason other than uh, personal, uh, this is going to be a problem.
1: On the one hand, that shouldn't come
0: as too much of a surprise. All you had to do was read the president's Twitter feed and and you (laughs) could see that pressure playing out. Hey, welcome to TrumpCast. Producer Jason here jumping into the host seat for today's show. Yesterday, it was reported that the deputy director, now former deputy director, Andrew McCabe, stepped down from his position at the FBI. And this is notable for many reasons, one of which is this. Ever since the firing of James Comey, Trump has attacked the now former deputy director in all sorts of ways. Why didn't A.G.? Sessions replaced acting FBI director Andrew McCabe. FBI director Andrew McCabe is racing the clock to retire with full benefits. Now, it's not out of the regular for presidents to attack special counsels and prosecutors. After all, Nixon did it.
1: Cox said at a news conference today he'll continue his court efforts to get the tapes despite the president's orders that he give up that court fight.
0: And so did Clinton. And how destructive to the nation is this bitter battle between Bill Clinton and Ken Starr? But McCabe isn't a special counsel or a prosecutor. He is, or rather was, the deputy director of the FBI. Add this most recent episode with McCabe to the comments Trump has made about the FBI in the past, and you end up with something we've never really seen in this country before. No president has attacked an institution like the FBI the way Trump has. And it's fitting that on the same day Trump was seemingly able to get his way around the Justice Department, this happened.
1: We have been listening to a very unusual, I would even say extraordinary presentation from the top Democrat on the House Intel Committee.
0: The news here is In a very, very controversial move, the House Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee voted to release what has been called the Nunes Memo. This is a document that is rumored to outline the ways in which the FBI and the DOJ withheld information to inappropriately obtain a FISA warrant that was used to conduct surveillance on Carter Page. At the same time, that group also voted to not release the Democrats' version of the memo, which the Democrats stressed would help build a clearer picture of Nunes' document. The exact contents of this memo are yet to be known, since they are still classified, but the White House has five days to declassify it, and Trump has been adamant that he will, whether it be tomorrow, or later this week, or after his pageant, I mean State of the Union. Nobody steals Trump's thunder, not even Trump. So for all things on the former deputy director, Andy McCabe, and just what the hell is going on at the House Intelligence Committee, we're going to hear from MSNBC's justice and security analyst, Matt Miller. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining me on the show.
1: Hey, Jason. Thanks for having me.
0: So I believe it was last week that The Washington Post reported that Trump asked McCabe just after firing Comey who he voted for in the election, to which McCabe responded that he did not vote in the presidential election. And it was reported by NBC yesterday that Trump called McCabe livid after Comey's ouster to ask why Comey was allowed to take the plane back from Washington after being fired. And that phone call ultimately ended with Trump asking McCabe how his wife, Jill, who unsuccessfully ran for the Virginia State Senate, how she felt to be a loser. So this and some tweets and I'm just trying to figure out, is it even possible to untangle the language Trump has used against McCabe since McCabe came on his radar to what happened yesterday?
1: Uh, it's very difficult. I mean, it ultimately depends on why Chris Ray made the decision to back him out, or to, to push him out. The New York Times reported that um, Ray's decision came uh, after he got a heads up, maybe even got uh, a, a, a segment of the uh, forthcoming Inspector General report on how the FBI handled the Clinton investigation. Remember, they're looking at whether it was correct for Jim Comey to make those public statements in July and then send that letter uh, to Congress in October. Uh, I think most people expect that, that Comey will get dinged in that report, and maybe McCabe will too. So if that's the reason that he pushed um, McCabe out, that may very well be a correct decision. But Chris Ray really needs to come forward and explain it, because it really is difficult for the public to have confidence that these decisions are being made free from political pressure, When you have the White House uh, and the president constantly pressuring McCabe, pressuring Chris Ray to fire him, The, the problem is with all of this, all these relationships between the Justice Department and the FBI and the White House is the president's completely inappropriate meddling with how the Justice Department operates is infecting and poisoning the atmosphere there. And so it's impossible to have a really good sense of why these decisions are made.
0: Uh, there's been a couple of other lesser known holdovers from the Comey era besides McCabe that also made their exits in the last couple of weeks. I'm thinking about Comey's former chief of staff. I believe it's Jim Rabicki, I'm not entirely sure if yep. I'm pronouncing his yep. name right. But my question to you is, like, do you think there's a less cynical explanation for all this that isn't Trump pressuring moves at the FBI, but simply that Christopher Ray's trying to establish his own team and move forward with? Or does the truth live somewhere in the middle?
1: Um, you know, I think there is a, a less cynical explanation. It's totally normal for a, a director of the FBI to want to have his own team. I'm actually surprised that Jim Rebecca stayed that long. You know, usually a, a director will bring in a new chief of staff right away. In fact, um, the general counsel is another position that that's changing over. Um, Chris Ray is going to bring his own person. In fact, I think Ray kind of kept some of these people around a little bit longer than an FBI director in a normal transition would precisely because this hasn't been a normal transition. Because you've had the White House so publicly and, and, and privately as well pressuring the FBI, I think Ray kept some of these people around because he wanted to send a signal that, you know, I'm just not coming in and cleaning house because that's what Donald Trump wants. I'm going to uh, have a little smoother transition, but eventually I'm going to bring in my own people, and that's what you see him doing now.
0: So more on this, the White House's involvement in this, too. Axios did some reporting uh, saying that Attorney General Jeff Sessions, or as I like to call him, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, <laughs> um, he pushed Christopher Ray to fire McCabe at Trump's urging, and Ray responded by threatening to resign if he was forced to make such a move. There's two strands I want to pull apart here. One, with McCabe possibly being like a key witness in Mueller's investigation, does this look like another case of Jeff Sessions overstepping his so-called recusal and B, like... What does this removal look like for Chris Ray? To me, it kind of makes him look a little bit like a Trump Sessions puppet.
1: So let me take the second one first. I actually see that a little bit differently. That report that he threatened to resign over this pressure to push uh, McCabe out actually makes me give him a little, a, bit, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that he was acting for good reasons when he finally did say he was going to re- resign him in the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you would, you know, throw your career on the line and say, I'm going to resign over this only to then do it uh, for another reason down the road. I-, I-, I suspect he probably acted with the right reasons here. I think he said, uh, him standing up to Jeff Sessions uh, was a good thing. It was a noble act. But again, he needs to come out and explain all this because these are really fair questions uh, when you have the White House, you know, pressuring him in, in such a strong way. As for Jeff Sessions and his recusal, look, we've seen a lot of things lately that seem to just absolutely violate his recusal. This would be one. There's another one. You know, there's this report that we'll probably get into about the White House Chief of Staff, John Kelly, talking to him about the release of this Nunes memo, which relates to the underlying investigation that Sessions is recused from, that he is a witness in, that he's a potentially a subject of. Sessions just seems to be flying through his recusal with no penalty. I'm a little surprised no one on the Hill has asked the inspector general to investigate this because it seems completely ripe for an inspector general investigation. And until it happens, I don't know why Sessions would stop monkeying around with his recusal because there seem to be no consequences.
0: Just to go back on your earlier point on Trump's chief of staff, John Kelly, yesterday Bloomberg reported that um, last week Kelly got on the phone to talk to some of the DOJ officials and communicate the president's displeasures with the department. One of those displeasures being the department's stance on the Devin Nunes memo. And there's a disclaimer that Bloomberg says that that John Kelly makes before, uh, as he's making these phone calls or after these conversations, which is like, a disclaimer much like you'd find on a spray can that says, do not inhale. Um, except for this one, <laughs> Kelly's disclaimer is that the White House doesn't expect anything illegal or unethical to happen in light of these remarks that he's making. Um, we want
1: you to do something unethical or illegal, but in an unethical, <laughs> or, but in the most ethical or legal way possible. Guess, right. This is what he's asking. So
0: a few things here. One, is this a weird phone call for the White House to be making in the first place? And two... What is it about this memo that Trump thinks he's going to get out of it?
1: So let's let's take this entire thing apart. Um, I think, actually, um, these phone calls from Kelly to Sessions and apparently others in the department and the White House's involvement in this memo is actually the most unethical and potentially illegal thing they've taken, uh, actions they've taken since the president fired Jim Comey. You have to remember what this memo is about. Uh, It is about an active, ongoing investigation into the president of the United States and his campaign. Right? It's about this FISA application into Carter Page, who was a Trump campaign official. the thing that we, we was one of the events that kicked off the investigation into the president. Because of that, the White House shouldn't be involved in any decisions at all about the memo, let alone pressuring DOJ into taking an action that DOJ thinks is harmful to national security or could compromise the investigation. So that's the first thing. The second thing, there are national security interests at stake here. Uh, the department has argued publicly that release of this memo could cause classified information to be released that would harm national security. The White House is, is getting in the middle of this when they have no way to understand the underlying uh, classified information. Why can't they understand it? Because they can't look at the underlying classified information because it's in a FISA warrant application about an investigation into the president's campaign. So for them to jump in the middle of this when they have no sense of the harm it would cause is totally inappropriate. And finally, add to this on top of everything, the president's motives in doing this. The New York Times reported that he sees this memo as a justification for firing Rod Rosenstein, because apparently it will, it will report that Rosenstein signed off on uh, a FISA warrant extension for Carter Page, which, by the way, you can only do if, you have, if that warrant has produced new information. So the president wants to use this memo, which he hasn't seen, about underlying classified information that he cannot see that relates to an investigation in his campaign to maybe fire the person who appointed Bob Mueller and is overseeing Bob Mueller, which would allow him to appoint someone new who could shut Mueller down. It, it's, it is so unethical. It is almost like they're obstructing justice in out sight. in the open, like not behind closed doors, but out in the open for all of us to see.
0: I want to get a little bit. <laughs> I wonder if we could go here and tell me if we, if we, if we shouldn't. But I want to get into Devin <laughs> Nunes. Devin Nunes. This is the congressman whose memo has been in the news for the last couple of weeks. But I want to talk about Devin because I recall once upon a time Devin recused himself from the Russian investigation as well um, after a series of really bizarre events, which ultimately ended with him sneaking around the White House, I think, like last March. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Um, I want to figure out how we ended up in this position with the Nunes memo and like the vote yesterday that took place. What does that ultimately mean for like the integrity of the investigation for the for the House Intelligence Committee?
1: Uh, I mean, let's just be forthright about it. Devin Nunes is a dishonorable person taking dishonorable actions. He is attacking the FBI to try to thwart uh, and subvert a lawful investigation into the president of the United States. And he's doing it using information he knows is misleading that's cherry picked from underlying information, of, in which there is apparently information that contradicts the claims he's making, and he doesn't care about what happens to the institutions he's attacking. You know the effects this will have on the FBI and the Justice Department down the road. And look, I, I think we all sort of realized Devin Nunes was a, a dishonorable hack last March yeah. <laughs> when when his whole unmasking fiasco blew up in his face. Yeah. It's clear he was doing it at the White House's direction. But the point you make it's not just Devin Nunes, it's all these other Republicans on the House Intelligence Committee who voted to go along with it, and ultimately it's Paul Ryan. You know, you get such a pass here. Rosenstein and Ray before this memo was, was brought to a vote um, in the House Intelligence Committee, Rosenstein and Ray went to Paul Ryan to object to having to turn some of this classified information over to Nunes, and Ryan backed Nunes to the hilt, and he's backed him to the hilt at every step of this process. So Nunez is the one kind of loading the gun that Bob Mueller or that 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 Donald Trump may be able to point at Bob Mueller, but you know Paul Ryan is standing right behind him, handing him the bullets.
0: What should our takeaway be from this? Because I'm I'm trying to bring these two things be- together between McCabe um, being forced out or pressured out, however you want to put it, and then this other thing about about the memo. So so like lying within all these questions that I'm asking you is this very simple fact that. There continues to be communication between the Trump administration and the DOJ that just shouldn't be happening. And we keep missing that point, I think, a little bit. So, like, Mm -hmm. are you worried about the future of how... How Trump is changing the way the White House, or, or changing the norms of how the White House and the DOJ operate, essentially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's done it from the beginning. Um, I mean, look, it, it only took him seven days in the administration to have a meeting with Jim Comey where he asked for a loyalty pledge, something that's unthinkable in any administration since Watergate. I mean, we've had, we've, we've instituted reforms after Watergate. Um, White houses have had contact policies about who can contact DOJ and, and vice versa, and what they can talk about. And the president just kind of blew through that. And they continue to blow through that. I mean, a, a good example, Dom again wrote a memo on what the White House contacts policy would be that would ex- that really expressly prohibits this conversation that John Kelly had with, with uh, the Attorney General, and they're just ignoring their own policy on this. So it, it is true. They have changed this norm. I mean, there's a question of whether it snaps back after Trump is president. I don't think we know the answer to that. But there's an immediate question whether he has changed this norm in such a way that people are so used to it. And they're getting so much kind of kind of noise out of Devin Nunes and, and the, the House intelligence investigation that Trump is going to be able to move on the justice department in a way um you know move to shut Mueller down or put someone in that doesn't that doesn't fire Mueller but just kind of sits on his head and keeps him from going forward on a bunch of steps he wants to take and, and get away with it.
0: Yeah. To me, it all, it, <laughs> I think we said this before, but it all seems like it's happening in plain sight.
1: Yeah, that, that's right. I, I sometimes think when people ask about, you know, was there collusion um, in the 2016 campaign? I mean, a lot of this was kind of open source collusion, right? We, we saw it <laughs> happening in, out, out in public with Trump uh, urging the Russians to find Hillary Clinton's emails and release them. And now v- we're having... Virginia sort of always
0: source. says they're their own wiretaps.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. And now we're having open source obstruction of justice. I mean, they're doing it right out in the open.
0: So Matt, I want to talk. And la- last question here, I want to talk about Rod Rosenstein because people have talked about him in in several different ways. And one and one is which uh, one of which is that people feel like he should be recused from the investigation anyway because of his involvement surrounding uh, the Comey firing. I, I'm curious about what your stance is on on Rod Rosenstein and and the many directions this could go in.
1: I mean, Rod is a is a strange character in this in a lot of ways. First of all, with the question of recusal. I don't actually understand how he hasn't recused himself, given the role he played in Comey's firing, which is central to the obstruction of justice investigation. There's, there was even a report last year that he was interviewed by Mueller. My only guess is that they've decided to bend the rules a little bit. You know, maybe decide that in the interest of justice, he should have uh, have some kind of waiver from the conflict of interest rules because it's too dangerous to to bump this uh, oversight, bump the oversight of Mueller down to somebody else. But his whole. Um, His entire position in all this is so strange. I mean, one way to think about it is, so Rod Rosenstein wrote the memo that justified uh, Jim Comey's firing. Um, That was a pretextual memo. We know it wasn't why Jim Comey's firing. Jim Comey was fired. And and now Rod Rosenstein is apparently the subject of a memo that might be used to fire Rod Rosenstein on false pretext. So in some ways, you you live by the pretextual memo. You die by the pretextual (laughs) memo. Um, I think, look, I think Rob Rosenstein made a horrible mistake in uh, writing that memo justifying Comey's firing. I think he's done a no- number of other things, specifically releasing these texts a few weeks ago from uh, FBI agents that were completely out of context. Um, I and mean, invited I the
0: press, I believe, to, to just... the be
1: press it. to look at him. I, I think he's done a, things, a few things that are hard to justify. But one thing he has done right... He has let Bob Mueller pursue his work free from interference. By all reports, he's approved every step that Bob Mueller wanted to take. He said in his public testimony, he hasn't said no to anything, um, and he's made clear he will not fire Bob Mueller unless there is cause to do so. You know that Mueller has done something unethical, something wrong. That is, I think, the most important thing right now. I have faith that. Rod Rosenstein is telling the truth when he said that to Congress, and the attacks on him by the White House are are, are attacks on Bob Mueller. I mean, that's just all they are. They're attacks trying to end the Mueller investigation, nothing else.
0: And so seriously, the last question here, what do you feel is going to happen uh, to the Mueller investigation in light of all of this? How how concerned are you for it?
1: At least in my opinion, the future of the Mueller investigation is at the most perilous point now that it's been really since he was appointed. I, I, I'm more worried about this. I'm more worried about the sanctity of Justice Department investigations than I have been at any moment since since Jim Comey was fired. That was a really worrisome moment. It was unclear then what would happen. And a week later, We got a good response from Rod Rosenstein, I think because he knew he took a bad action in signing off on Comey's firing, in appointing Bob Mueller. That was a reassuring step. I think we're seeing a lot of really troubling signs right now that we may be headed for a real blow-up, and the Republicans in Congress, who you would expect to be the ones to stand up and say no, not only aren't going to do that, but they're going to help the president get rid of Mueller. I mean, it just seems like that's where they're headed. They're providing all the justification. And I think it is a. I think we're at a really perilous moment right now. And I would say, I don't think it's a total coincidence that this really perilous moment for Bob Mueller is coming at the same time that the president is being asked to sit down for an interview.
0: Mm, interesting. I've been talking to MSNBC's Justice and Security Analyst, Matt Miller. Thank you, Matt, for joining me on the show.
1: Thank you, Jason. Enjoy it.
0: Stick around. We'll be back with a few more updates just after the break. Since my conversation with Matt earlier this morning, we have a few more updates. The first concerning the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, which we talked about on the show. According to Fox News, during a breakfast with anchors and reporters ahead of tonight's State of the Union, Paul Ryan had this to say with respect to the memo and the FBI. Quote, let it all out. Get it all out there. Cleanse the organization. I think we should disclose all this stuff. It's the best disinfectant, accountability, transparency for the sake of the reputation of our institutions. Also, a new report from NBC's Howard Feynman has this to say regarding how the president is currently thinking about Mueller's investigation. And I quote again, the Trump strategy is to discredit the investigation and the FBI without officially removing leadership. Trump is even talking to friends about the possibility of asking Attorney General Jeff Sessions to consider prosecuting Mueller and his team. One Trump advisor is quoted in Howard's piece saying, Here's how it would work. We're sorry, Mr. Mueller. You won't be able to run the federal grand jury today because he has to go testify to another federal grand jury. We're going to have more on all this news with your regular hosts, Virginia Heffernan and Jacob Weisberg, later in the week. To see when those shows are coming up, be sure to follow us on Twitter at RealTrumpCast. It's the best place to keep up with all the stories we're following, and it's a nice way to share the show with a friend or a family member. So follow us at Real RealTrumpCast and try to get the word out on the street about the show. I'm Jason DeLeon, and thanks for listening.